from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And um, I guess I got old enough to pull the chain that brought down the steps that were, you know, in the ceiling. And I found his stuff. I just, I just really, it made me more proud of my father. It was really, really a cool moment. Uh, when in your life would that have been? So probably 12, 13. Had a chance to absorb it. And uh, he gave me just enough information to make it sound interesting at that point. And I'm going, wow, Jack. I called him Jack because we've worked together for so long. We called each other by our first names. So I said, Jack, you, you really did some dangerous stuff. I'm glad you were a good fighter pilot because I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Goodwin. Enterprise Rent-A-Car has 10,000 locations in 90 countries around the world. It has about 80,000 employees, and they're in charge of 2 million rental vehicles of all shapes and sizes. St. Louis and Jack Taylor founded the company and ran it for many years. He's the subject of a new documentary by filmmaker Tim Gray. It's called Witness to War. Jack Taylor was one of 16 million Americans who joined the service to fight for his country. We are wanting to be a fighter pilot. I think everybody wants to be a fighter pilot. And I think the Navy helped really define him. The Japanese planes, if you hit them, they just flamed. I think it was routine and responsibilities, and he learned all that in the Navy. The business just succeeded. Well, I never envisioned that it would get to the size that it did now. Joining me in studio to talk about it is Andy Taylor, Jack's son. Andy Taylor is executive chairman of Enterprise Holdings. Andy, thanks for joining the yeah, program. Jeremy, good to be here with you. Thank you. Yeah. So how, how did we get here first? The, the producer, director, writer of the film is Tim Gray. Who, who's he? Tim Gray is the filmmaker for the World War II Foundation, which approached us. Oh. Uh, and uh, they have made dozens of films focusing on uh, veterans from World War II, who had interesting military careers during World War II and then then came out of the military and had interesting uh, rest of their lives, uh, you know, becoming, you know, really prominent professors or deans of schools or, like my father, started a really interesting business. Sure did. And uh, so they, they contacted you. It's not like you were calling around saying, hey, will somebody make a film about my dad? No, we're, we're not very good at waving our own flag. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they contacted us. And, and frankly, um, we would not normally do that. But it happened to be our 65th year of our business opening and my father's 100th birthday. Oh. Well, tell me, uh, what, what about your father makes him a good subject for a documentary? What is his story? Tell us. Well, he uh, is a very good example of the greatest generation. And so when Pearl Harbor occurred in December 7, 1941, uh, he, like millions of other Americans, rushed out to get uh, to sign up and volunteer for the military. He was called up. He was not doing all that great in school, as the film will point out. Um, and so he, he was called up in late forty. Two, and evidently he was uh, good enough at flying that they put him in a the hot fighter plane plane of the day, the Hellcat, and out he went to the fleet, and he was in some of the most interesting 
battles, um, including the Leyte Gulf, which is the largest naval battle to ever take place in terms of ships and people, and um, got several distinguished flying crosses. He had some victories over Japanese aircraft, and uh, you know this this was that you know he was born in 1922, so I mean he was just a kid, and he went out there and learned all these great Navy traits like you know mission, teamwork, fun. Uh, it just the Navy made him into a really better businessman, he would say. Why uh, – you say you first learned about the, your father's World War II service uh, when you were about 10 years old. How, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, we were living at the time in a small house, uh, and I was poking around the attic. And um, I guess I got old enough to pull the chain that brought down the steps that were you know, in the ceiling – and I found his stuff, uh, you know, things like his cloth helmet that had uh, earphones in it and, and the mask, oxygen mask. Uh, they did fly high enough that you needed oxygen. And uh, just some his, his Navy dress blues and stuff like that. And I started asking questions. And he also was very good at keeping some of the uh, materials, instruction books, uh, flight logs, all that stuff. So we could really look at his career pretty good detail, and it was very interesting to me. Why do you think it took till about 10 years old uh, to learn about this? It wasn't something that he talked about around the house? No, he re- really did not, and he really filled in a lot of the gaps later in his life. He lived to be 94, and I would say the last 20 years of his life, if I caught him at a good moment, I could get another tidbit of just what he did. So he documented what he did. He, he held on to all these materials, for the historical record, but didn't necessarily want to go over all the old stories. No, and I, talking to other um, sons and daughters of veterans, you know, that were my father's age, that their parents served, uh, their dads, the, they really never really talked a lot about it. And eventually later in life, they, they, they sort of offered it up. Uh, and, you know, they just didn't talk a lot about it when they were younger. Yeah. Well, we, we get a thorough account of Jack Taylor's experiences during World War II as a fighter pilot in the film and uh, some of the different planes that the U.S. used, that Japan used, some amazing footage from aircraft carriers. And Jack Taylor reflects on the chaos of battle. Yeah, I'm lucky because I had a couple situations where I saw people that were right alongside me just crash because of irrational anti-aircraft fire. And instead of hitting me, it hit them. So whose fault is that, you know? I mean, I, what control did I have over that? None. But they, they didn't hit me, which I'm glad didn't happen. Andy Taylor, did those close calls affect the way the dad lived, your dad lived the rest of his life, you think? Again, I think the more positive traits he learned in the Navy, you know, being around the guys, so to speak, um, I think that stuck with him more than some of those other negative uh, elements. Uh, he, he says in the film that, uh, you know, he lost friends. In fact, the air group he was on lost a third of the pilots uh, in the six months he was on board the, the Essex. And uh, overall, the, the air group was on 12 months, and they lost half of the pilots. So, um, But he, he just chose not to think about that. And he chose to, to think about, you know, the more positive things. He, he, he liked life on the carrier as opposed to crawling around in a, in a 
trench, you know, on the Philip in the Philippines with mosquitoes. He had a bed, he had food, and uh, he was he was happy on the ship. Yeah, and aside from your father's story, there's a lot in this film for people who are just interested in 20th century history, especially World War II buffs. Does that does that describe you at all? When you talk about it in the film, are are you somewhat of an an armchair expert on some of this stuff at this point? Uh, I'm not sure I'm an expert in anything, but. Uh, uh, when I saw that my father had been through a rather intense uh, period of time in his life uh, and started putting the pieces together, uh, I became very interested. And I'm not sure I'm an expert, but I know a fair amount about the, what he did and read all of the records, um, got to the the naval or I'm sure, sorry, the, the service records that are kept here in St. Louis. You can right away uh, to get all the details of your uh, parents or cousins or siblings' uh, career in the service, which is, can be very interesting. But I just, I just really, I, it made me more proud of my father. It was really, really a cool moment. Uh, when in your life would that have been? Well, it, shortly after I found all that stuff. So probably 12, 13, and I had a chance to absorb it. And uh, he gave me just enough information to make it sound interesting at that point. And I'm going, wow, Jack. I called him Jack because we worked together for so long. We called each other by our first names. So I said, Jack, you, you really did some dangerous stuff. I'm glad you were a good fighter pilot because I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And mid- mid-war, your, your father was transferred to the aircraft carrier known as the Enterprise. Right. That inspired a couple things, a very famous spaceship on American television, but also a certain uh, car rental company. That's right. And it, that seems to speak to the way he carried things from the war back home, as you say, in, in a positive sense. It sounds like he really tried to uh, build on some skills he learned and some attitudes he learned and make something out of it. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, so when the company was named Enterprise, Enterprise to him was a great name. It's sort of forward-looking. It's sort of inventive. It's an energy name and uh, that served as well. How, how was he to work with for you? You had a very particular relationship. But how, was yeah. it, how was it working with your father? Well, I, I loved it. When I was uh, around 10 again, a lot was happening. He would take me into the office on Saturdays. He'd work Saturdays. And I could sit at his secretary's desk and meet some of the people he worked with. And he, he was having a good time with his fellow staff members. And I, real, I saw that. And he, he, he was having fun. He was taking good care of his customers. And I said, you know what? This is what I want to do when I'm older. Hmm. Well, when your father set out to found a company, he, he didn't go to Chicago or one of the coasts. He saw the opportunity to build something here in St. Louis. Uh, the idea at the time was you don't have to own a car. You could rent one. The concept was certainly out there. But Jack Taylor was thinking his hometown could be a bigger player in the burgeoning business of rental cars. Business flying is on the increase. So, too, are the airports providing this courteous service. There was a company in Chicago that was leasing cars and bringing them to St. Louis. There was no down payment, basically. You paid so much a month at the end of a period of time. You turned the car back and got a new one. And it just looked like it had potential. You could deal with any car. You didn't need a dealership, you didn't have parts, you didn't have all that stuff, and it just looked like an opportunity. That's a clip from Witness to War, a documentary about Jack Taylor, founder of Enterprise. Uh, you can hear that or 
you can watch that film. It's streaming online at 9pbs.org. It's also on the PBS video app. Here to talk about it is Andy Taylor. He's executive chairman of Enterprise Holdings. happens to be Jack Taylor's son. Uh, what was happening in American society at the time your father starts this company that just makes this work, that makes this the time to build this particular company? Well, after he got out of the, the World War II, and he, he did sign up with the Naval Reserve here in town, so he's still flying airplanes, um, he went to work for a, a good friend's uh, dad who had a Cadillac operation here in town. And he liked cars. He, he obviously liked airplanes. He liked cars, things that would go fast, let's say. And um, he worked there for some years. And eventually that fighter pilot sort of mentality, which you could call entrepreneurialism, kind of came out. And he basically said, I'd like to work for myself. And um, I like working hard. And um, I think I could take this business, which was rental and leasing of automobiles, vehicles, and, and do something with it. Yeah, and at that time, when he's starting out, the the interstate highway system is not built, certainly not in the way we know it now. It's a different time in America, but but car culture is growing in popularity. Was this a new idea to be able to rent a car? I think it was relatively new. Now, um, there, were, there was a rent-a-car company or two that's still around, that you could recognize the name, uh, that started, I think, in 1919. Now, of course, it was very small. But by this time, airlines are starting to fly more frequently, more destinations, and, you know, people wanted cars when they got to the other end. The other thing that occurred back then was that the wives, and I'm meaning that wives, all of a sudden went to work. They, they had started having job opportunities. So many families had one car. And when that one car went down, I mean, you know, the dad, you know, had to, you know, get another car. Or if they had two cars and the wife's car went down, they'd have to rent a car for her because she was going to, she had a job and she had to get to work too. When I think about renting a car, it's very associated in my mind with travel, with, with flying somewhere and renting a car at the other end. This is a time when you can't necessarily get on a plane and fly to California yet, depending on where you are. That is going to get built out throughout the rest of the 20th century. So it sounds like you were all in the right business at the right time. Yes, I think we um, we did not start at the airports. We started in what we call the home city, which is away from airports, which was an undiscovered market. Uh, today, about 60% of all rentals take place in the home city, 40% at airports. So we, <clears throat> my father basically started the uh, the business of renting cars in the home city to car dealers for their customers for insurance companies and their claimants and insureds and and that was really how the rental business got started relatively quickly why did st louis work out as a home for this growing company well my father was um i think it was the fourth or fifth generation st louis lucen uh he loved st louis um you know his parents lived here and he started his family here, and it was just natural for him. And uh, St. Louis, one reason why my family's been so supportive of St. Louis is the fact that St. Louis, you know, accepted Jack's new business so readily, and we are very grateful for that. Talk about the relationship between the company and, and the city. How has that grown over the years? Well, um, Jack, uh, I was the, the only son, and I had a sister who was a little younger, 
And as the business grew, my father, uh, he's a very generous guy. And so in 1982, he set up a foundation and the Enterprise Holdings Foundation. And uh, he has been doing some philanthropy along the way and kind of taught my sister and myself how to do it. He also taught the next generation how to do it. But we were very, very loyal to St. Louis and very, very interested in the success of St. Louis. And you know, there are plenty of things that have to be fixed here, and we can make St. Louis better, uh, and we have hopefully contributed to to St. Louis being better, but we are very loyal. Living your life in and around St. Louis, how have you been reminded of your father's influence here? Does it come up? Well, yes. I think about him uh, like we did some work on Soldiers Memorial, which I would encourage people to go see because it's been totally renovated. The, the uh, exhibits are, are relatively new, and it's, it's just, just a very cool place. But That's downtown in St. Louis? It's downtown St. Louis, across from City Hall. And um, it's been there for a long time, but it was not in good shape up until about five years ago when we got involved. And, uh, but that brings back a lot of memories. In fact, there's a, there's a couple of pictures of his plane and himself uh, in, in a corner of the museum. Oh, do, do people ever run into you that, hey, I worked there for 30 years, that sort of thing? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We have, we have you, you just, you mentioned it, 80,000 employees, and we have, I call them alums, and, uh, you know, we run into, and uh, you just never know. Um, our last thought here today, Andy, is uh, how is the rental business these days? Where is it going? We have pretty much recovered 100% from the pandemic. We were were down quite far in 2020 from 19, but businesses come back uh, well. And uh, travel business, people renting cars, getting off of airplanes, that that business is quite a bit higher, more intense than it has been than it was a year ago. So business is really, really good. Uh, We we need some more cars. And right now with the chip problem and other parts, you know, supply chain problems, we, we could use a few more cars and we can, because we have customers waiting for them. Hmm. Andy Taylor, Executive Chairman of Enterprise Holdings, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. This segment was produced by Elaine Cha. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.